Welcome to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kip Wilkinson. This podcast exists to share the stories of everyday people, to discuss the difficult moments in life, the amazing triumphant times, and the winding journey in between. We all have a story to tell, and we hope that this podcast helps you in telling your own. On this episode, Mike and I sat down with David Dalkey, who discusses living with cerebral palsy, battling suicidal thoughts and self-doubt, as well as how God has given him a unique platform to do what he loves, even though it doesn't look quite like he imagined. I just want to say, I've known David since I was in high school, and he's been such an inspiration as a friend and mentor, and I'm truly thankful that he was willing to meet with us and talk about his life. But hey, as always, I'll just let him tell you the story. Um, so my name is David Dalkey, and I am now 39 years old. Makes me feel old that I'm getting that old. Um, but I was born with cerebral palsy, excuse me. And for those that may or may not know, um, basically for me, what that means is that the 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 communication between my brain and my legs is 100% there, but it doesn't work correctly. Uh, it gets distorted, uh, and so that's why I spend my life, and have spent my life, in a wheelchair. Um, I know you can't see me, but I'm in a wheelchair, and uh, I'm excited to share my story with you uh, of what God's done. But because of that cerebral palsy, um, I was... I was teased as a young man um, quite often and quite ruthlessly um, just because people um, didn't know how to deal with that. Um, You know, growing up in elementary school, uh, you just had kids that just didn't know what that was like. And um, my father had to fight to um, get every school I was in except for my high school uh, my elementary and my middle school uh, had to fight for accessibility issues. Um, so I started out <clears throat> fairly young knowing that uh, just from seeing him have to fight for some normality for me, uh, I kind of knew that uh, life was going to be different. Um, and I, I have three brothers, uh, and they taught me On the flip side, they taught me how to be normal as far as they were never coddled me, never. uh, We got into fights, and it was what it was, um, which is what siblings do. Um, But my story really takes off uh, at the age of 12. Um, I I was in an electric wheelchair at the time because I wasn't, strong enough to use a manual. So I was in an electric wheelchair and I wasn't feeling well. And um, so I just wasn't going very fast. Um, just wasn't pushing the button very fast. And a young man um, who I could name, but I will not, but I still know this young man's name after all these years, uh, asked me why I was going so slow. And what he didn't realize was that 
I was fighting in my own mind to understand that God was God and God didn't make mistakes. And so when he said that to me, <clears throat> I went over to the, my locker and I opened up my locker and I just went to town, just waylaid. Um, and the bell rang and I thought, great, I'm going to be tardy. It's fantastic. And I noticed that my knuckles were bleeding. And I thought, boy, this should hurt. And I had blood running down my knuckles. And I felt no pain. And I got to my next class. And my best friend at the time was in that class. And I showed him my hand with pride. And I said, look at this. And there's blood. He said, what did you do? And I said, I took care of business on a locker. Of course, he didn't get that. Um, so at the end of the day, I, it was a Wednesday. I'll never forget it was a Wednesday. And I thought, you know what? I had been thinking about suicide. Um, I had been planning it out. And I thought, today's the day. Um, I already knew how it was all going to work. So I thought, well, being a good Christian boy, I'll go to church one more time and say my goodbyes. And a good friend of mine, um, he's a jokester, still is, love him to death, but he's said a joke, and I just went to town with every four-letter word I knew, every five-letter word ever, I ever knew, every six-letter word I ever knew, directed completely and utterly 100% at him. Um, and if you know me, you know that I can have a volume to me uh, that is quite unique. Um, and so it was pretty public, um, and quite a few people heard. And uh, the youth pastor at the time looked at me and said, get in my office, get in my office now, from across the gymnasium, not face-to-face, -face, across the gymnasium, to which I unloaded a barrage of four- and five-letter words directed to him as I was going into his office. Um, and I spent the next uh, three hours uh, in his office just letting a whole bunch of things, a lot of pent-up questions, not even really anger, just questions about here I am in a wheelchair, I'm 12 years old, and what, what does it look like, and this, that, and the other. And the thing that radically changed my life, um, and at 35, or 39, excuse me, I will tell you still, radically changes my life, is he said, God does not screw up. God loves you and I love you. And for three hours, I sat and just wore him out. Not in a, just wore him out with all my just, here it is, just every aspect to which every answer was, God does not screw up. God loves you, and I love you. Well, after about two and a half hours, 
of that being the only thing that he said, I finally said, would you quit saying that? And how do you prove it to me? And he said, because it's true. And he said it again. And I thought, if my youth pastor is willing to sit in his office for three hours and share those three truths with me, then he did love me. And if he loved me enough to tell me that, he really believed God didn't make a mistake, and he really believed that God loved me. Um, and so we we had we carried on, and I'll never forget my father came in in uh, in the office and said it's time to go home because it was a Wednesday night. To which my youth pastor said, "He's not leaving this office." Uh, and there was some consternation between him and my father. And my youth pastor did not let anything go at the time. Um, even told my father to just go home. Uh, and my youth pastor ended up driving me home. Um, and I don't want to get into details of what my suicide was going to be, but it was going to be cutting my wrist. And I'll leave it at that. Um, so my youth pastor even went into my home, asked where the knife was that I was going to use, which was a rather expensive knife that my father owned. The youth pastor got the knife out, said, is this it? I said, yes. And the youth pastor said, either you get rid of this or I'm taking it with me. Um, and that was in front of me. Uh, discussion with my father and that was one of those moments when and my father said I don't know what's going on but if it needs to go away then it's going in the garbage and the youth pastor said it needs to go in the garbage immediately uh, and they walked out and put it in the garbage can and like I said it was about a 200 to $300 knife uh, but that was the one that I was planning on using. Um, and I, I sought some counseling. Um, then I started really uh, just starting to learn that maybe God really did have, instead of look, have a plan, and instead of looking around going, I'm not like everyone else, I started looking around going, I'm not like everyone else, so how can I leverage my not being like everyone else to glorify God. And so uh, I was able to graduate high school um, and wasn't with honors or any, anything like that, but just the fact that I was able to graduate um, because growing up, they thought I would be at a third grade level at the most. Um, and so to, to get that diploma from high school uh, was quite huge. And then I went, went on to Bryan College um, and uh, thought I was going to go to Bryan um, to be biblical studies and become a pastor. Uh, and little did I know, uh, I, it was my sophomore year, uh, little did I know the Lord was going to 
radically uh, change that perspective. Uh, I realized that my desire to um, preach the word wasn't where what it needed to be to be a pastor, um, but that my desire to share my story of of possible suicide uh, and being at that threshold and being right there. Uh, I wanted to share that with young people. Um, and so um, I wish I could say that everyone thought, oh, that's a great plan. Um, unfortunately, I even met some pushback um, from not from Bryan College folks, let me clarify that, but just from other folks. Uh, the Bryan College community was awesome. It was like, all right, let's make it work. But other people were, uh, one of the things I still remember was you'll never be able to relate to teenagers at all because you can't play sports with them. So you are absolutely silly for going into youth ministry. Um you can't do, um, you can't do the silly. In that time frame, there it was a lot of silly games and whatnot. And yes, in youth ministry, there are still silly games, but there were a lot of them uh, back in that day. And you can't do that. Um, you'll never relate to any teenager because you have such a different story. And so, um, I. So I had to fight through, uh, is, am I really going to go that route? Uh, and then shortly after I made that decision to change my major, another uh, huge life event happened. My appendix ruptured um, on September uh, 16th of 1999 is actually when my appendix ruptured. Um, there's just so much to that story. Um, but I actually didn't have surgery until the 18th. Um, and if you know anything about an appendicitis, uh, that can be a very fatal thing once it ruptures. Uh, and so uh, I was dealing with being in a dorm room uh, by myself. I lived in a dorm room by myself. Uh, so I was dealing with um, being sick and the most nauseous, most gross way you could ever imagine and I was by myself um, and I called my father at 5.30 in the morning and said something's not right please come get me that was on Friday um, the 17th and he came and got me uh, to which not proud to admit but when he opened my dorm room Again, I reverted back to the four and five letter words um, because I was in so much pain. And I, and I asked him uh, if he had brought a shotgun because I, I would love for him to use it. Uh, and I say all that only to share with you the amount of unbelievable pain that I was in, um, that I was willing to allow, like I was begging for my father to use his shotgun, which was at the house. Wasn't in the car, but uh, I was begging for him to use it. Um, so I spent, uh, I ended up spending nine days in the hospital. 
Uh, I did have surgery. Um, all the tests that they, that they ran, I came back as my appendix was 100% fine uh, because of some of the, just some things with me being me. Uh, and that's not a criticism on the medical profession. They just, the tests were showing that it wasn't my appendix. And uh, the doctor said, something's wrong. I'm going to go find what it is. And that's when they found my appendicitis. Um, so I spent nine days in the hospital. Uh, and I went back, to, went back to campus with a renewed sense of life is not assured. Um, I wasn't expecting that day. Uh, that my appendix ruptured, that wasn't on my agenda. Uh, nor was nine days in the hospital afterwards. And so I decided, again, that God's got me here for a reason. Let's do something with it. Uh, and that kind of gave me a renewed vigor for, uh, you know what you're here for. Uh, let's go after it. Um, so I graduated uh, college in three and a half years, uh, which is a unbelievable just glory to God that a guy that wasn't supposed to be past third grade was able to finish college early. Um, I also, uh, a neat part of my testimony, I shared with you earlier that I'm in a wheelchair and uh, I practiced uh, to be able to walk across the stage at my college graduation. Um, and I was the only one uh, to receive a standing ovation um, as I walked across the stage. Uh, and I still just can remember that moment uh, because the Bryan College community, and especially the president at the time, uh, had told me that if that was going to be what I did, they would stop the graduation as long as it needed to be stopped because I had requested that the next person not be called until I was back in my wheelchair for my own, not feeling urged or hurried. Uh, so they, they were very gracious. Um, but I don't think it really mattered because I don't believe the... The applause stopped until I got um, back in the day. We could sit and, uh, at a microphone and say something for 30 seconds. And so I sat down for 30, 30 seconds. And I believe I told him I took a, it was going to take more time and that it took me a lot of work to get there. So I took a little bit more than 30 seconds. Nobody complained. But... Um, so I just share all that because that's also another God uh, moment of God just showing me that life is hard um, and you have to work um, for things. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, what I really want to encourage you with is that if you, if you are a believer or if you're not a believer, uh, either one, God loves you. Uh, if you're sitting in a wheelchair, if you're 6'3 playing basketball, 
if you're married, single, wish you were married, whatever. God loves you and God has a story for you. And God does not make mistakes. Um, you may not understand uh, a lot of aspects in your life. Uh, I wish I could say I have a full and complete understanding of why God made me in a wheelchair. But if I said that, I would be lying to you. Um, and God, God loves you. I uh, used what he has given you for his honor and for his glory. Um, and even though I graduated with a youth minister degree, uh, I thought that I was going to have the next great youth ministry. That was the plan, or that was my plan. Um, I, I want to share with you that I've never gotten paid to do youth ministry. And so if you look at my life from that aspect, you would say I'm a failure. But let me assure you, I'm not a failure. Um, I have had the opportunity to invest. Uh, ever since I graduated college, I have been able to volunteer and invest in young people's lives. Uh, even Micah and Kip was able to invest and continue to invest in their lives and have done so. Uh, and so even last night, as I was in our youth program listening to the message, I just sat back and went, for a guy that wasn't ever supposed to amount to anything, even though I didn't get paid and haven't gotten paid to do youth ministry, I got exactly where I wanted to be. I'm able to invest in young people. I'm astonished uh -huh, each and every day that a young person, whether it be 12 to a, that young, or I won't say how old, some of my oldest people that I consider uh, <laughs> that I've invested in. I won't say their age, but some of them are getting on up there, uh, even older than you guys. Uh, so that, that just tells me that um, even though I've never gotten paid to do it, I, I'm doing, and I have been able to invest uh, exactly where my talents lie. I found out that my talents were Investing in young people and kicking some, um, kicking some of them tails, uh, not physically, but I have had some conversations where I felt like I laid it out to some young people in my ministry career, uh, and I don't shy away from those. Uh, all that to say, uh, I have found that my wheelchair and uh, my life. It's a huge, huge platform. Um, so whatever uh, your platform is, listening to this podcast, whatever your platform is, um, you may not understand it. You may be questioning it. Uh, and that's quite all right. Uh, and you're going to go through hard times. Uh, I, wish, I wish that I could say once I figured out that 
uh, I was made to invest in young people uh, that life was easy. Um, recently lost my father. It's not been an easy thing to uh, want to invest in people lately. Uh, but I'm still doing it. Uh, I still want to do it. Uh, learning what uh, gr the grieving process. Uh, and by recently, uh, this is currently um, January 31st, and it was in October, uh, so it's fairly recent, uh, my father's passing. But again, I, uh, if you leave with nothing, understand that even in the midst of your trials, God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful, and your happiness should not and is not dependent upon his faithfulness. His faithfulness is always there, no matter if you are happy or not. He is always faithful. You're going to run into some times that you're not going to like. But he is faithful even in the midst of you not being happy. So I hope this encourages you. Um, and I hope you guys uh, are encouraged that God can use any circumstance for His honor, for His glory. So Kip and I have known David for a long time, over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing for anyone who knows David, you love Dr. Pepper. Yes. And you almost always have some sort of fingernail polish on a few of your fingers. You, you don't paint your fingernails for, for no reason, but would love to hear... Um, the why, reason why... Yeah, why, why do you have fingernail polish on your thumb right now? It is, um, it is a constant reminder for me um, to pray. Um, I recently, or not recently, but when it first started, um, I felt like I needed to be praying for um, someone and just happened to be going through a store and uh, just was looking at my hands. Um, when you, your hands are your livelihood. Uh, so I look at my hands quite often. I don't sit and stare at my hands, uh, but I just see them throughout the day, obviously. And uh, so I decided, uh, hey, I'm going to, as a reminder, um, so even right now, um, as you stated, I've got blue fingernail polish. And uh, the, the blue represents a young lady. Right. Um, she knows who she is. Um, That's all that matters. And I, I don't divulge that to anyone. Uh, she knows, and that's all that does matter. Uh, and how she got to be the one, uh, or one of the ones, because she's not the only one. Right. But So if you see different colors, uh, it's a different person. Uh, and I just felt like um, that it's kind of a cool, cool reminder for me Hey, you need to be praying for uh, Miss Blue Fingernail. 
and so uh, I can use that as conversation starter. Absolutely. Uh, with people, because um, they often make the joke about, you know, so what did you do last night or. You know, something crazy, you know, and then it's, oh, by the way, uh, I'm doing it to pray for somebody. Uh, and I've got to shoot shoot down some of those people that yeah. don't know me uh, as that, you know, and make, and it's always lighthearted. It's never uh, in a mean spirited, but it's, oh, you forgot, you forgot to get your thumbnails polished, taken off. And now it's right where it needs to be. So it's just a way for me to remember to pray for Miss Blue Thumbnails, what I call her. Uh, and so just reminds me every day. That's cool. So. What would you say to someone who's being bullied right now for, for anything? I, I, I would say um, that it's, it's not shameful uh, to let the right people know, um, hey, this is this is going on. Um, can you help me stop it from a physical standpoint? And or more like it was to me, because I wasn't getting in fist fights or any of that, but it was just your slow. Um, they would use my one of my words that I just can't stand. I would get called retarded. Uh, won't use that word again because it just gets mm-hmm. under my skin. Yeah. Um, but I would get called that um, often. Um, you know, and, the, and they don't know that I was supposed to be at a third grade level. And, and so even, so yes, you need to tell someone uh, to help get the, it physically stopped. But if it's causing you some emotional distress um, that's also important to there's no shame in telling someone hey I, I, I'm struggling because so and so's saying this about me and I believe you know I'm believing it or uh, and it's you know whatever that looks like I'm struggling and I'm believing the lies. Can you help me with God's God's word and God's truth? Mm-hmm. Um, because um, God will convict, yes, but God loves you. Um, and so God made you. God perfectly made you. Um, yes, my legs don't work like everyone else's. But he made me perfectly. One word in God's vocabulary, or the, excuse me, one word that is not in God's vocabulary is the word oops. God never said the word oops. So if you're if you're getting bullied because you have glasses or whatever it is, God didn't say oops. I did that to that person. Um, you need to tell people uh, and let. Trusted people, not not just your friend group, but adults that you trust that can help walk you through. Is there a physical action that needs to be taken? Or is it 
like I said, is there an emotional helping someone understand you might be getting called ugly or whatever, and we need to walk through the image of that God has made you in, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily go after those people per se, um, but we need to attack that lie yeah. with biblical truth. That's kind of what I would, if you were being bullied at this point, that's what I would encourage you with. So on a similar note, with being bullied, you talk about more than just the the physical. And I feel like today it's it's much more mental and emotional. Did that play a part into your struggles with suicide? Or was that just something totally different? I think for me back then it was, um, it was more um, just not seeing um, that being different was okay. You know, I would watch people play basketball. Um, I would, I would uh, watch my brother swim. and I got to be an avid, uh, I enjoy swimming because I was always at his swim meets or their swim meets. Um, so I was always there, but the, from, from a standpoint of the suicidal, it was more, I can't participate in this. I can't participate in that. I, I, I'm never going to have a girlfriend. Uh, you know, I, I have to roll 20 miles uh, out of the way to get somewhere. Uh, 20 miles is an exaggeration, but, you know, you you have to do things differently. Yeah. And, and as a teenager, uh, if you've been around teenagers, it's you want to fit in. Uh, that's the big thing. Um, and, you know, and I would say... Uh, as a little caveat to today's, um, if you're a young person, or even if you're not a young person, people put the best images of themselves on social media. People don't put, hey, I'm going through stuff. You don't see people's garbage on social media. They'll put their opinions about certain things on social media, but I, w- I would have never, back then especially, obviously now I'm putting it out there, but I've worked through it with God's grace, and now it's a part of my story. But I would have never said, I feel like trash on social media. Right. Yeah. You would have always seen smiling uh I even back then coined my own phrase, and if it's coined by someone else, I'm not trying to steal it. Um, but I always said uh, that I was always trying to be the happy handicapped guy because I always felt like I had to be happy because people needed to know I love Jesus, and the only way people wouldn't know that I love Jesus was if I was happy. And let me tell you, uh, you can be struggling. Uh, you don't always have to be happy to love Jesus. Um, so, but 
back in those days, I coined the phrase uh, when I started realizing kind of what my story was, and I coined the phrase the happy handicap syndrome because I felt like I always had to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't always have to be happy. You just need people in your life that will speak truth to you, even in the midst of darkness, because where there is light, there can be no darkness. Um, doesn't mean it's not going to feel dark. Uh, so you need people in your life shining that light even when you feel like it's small light. It's true. I mean, I feel like a huge part of this whole project and what we're trying to do is just help people take off the mask almost and be like, David has a story very similar to mine. He struggled with a lot of the same things I've done, but he's still faithful and he still trusts what God's doing. And I don't know, I mean, just... I think that's just part of telling testimonies is being realistic. Like you don't have to sit down and tell someone your whole story, but to just sit down with a coworker or a friend and be like, I'm struggling with this. It's really hard. I believe God is who he says he is and that he loves me. And I'm going to get through it, but this is tough. Right. And that's just, you got to be real with people. Right. Because, and I think that's part of, Part of my platform, I I think, Mm -hmm. and maybe you guys can speak to this, but I think part of my platform is what people think is the most obvious I can't hide from. Now, there's a whole lot more complexity than me. Mm -hmm. I am not defined by my wheelchair. I am shaped by my wheelchair, but I'm not defined by it. Mm-hmm. But I think part of my platform is that I can't hide. I can hide different aspects of my life, yes. But as far as it's out there, like, and I think for me, that's where God's kind of shaped me and used me. And, um, you know, and. And as I get older, I'm realizing it's not just teenagers. Teenagers are a passion for me and encouraging them along the way. But I'm also understanding it's my platform. It's just speaking his truth and his faithfulness. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so you, you literally just said young people, teenagers, that's your passion in life. Um, I find it funny when you tell the story of in college, there were some naysayers and you're not going to be able to relate. You can't play sports. You can't do this. You, you can't participate. Yet, seeing you in that environment, seeing you with young people, teenagers, there's no doubt in my mind, that is your element. That is where you thrive. So... Was it surprising when you first realized this This is my niche, this is what God made me for? Or was that something that you've known all along? No, I, I definitely don't feel like I knew it all along. I, I, um, I, I thought I was going to be a pastor, and, and um, but truthfully, uh, that just became... Um, I just decided that I I didn't want to 
be in front of people sharing God's word and them not acting upon it. Uh, and I just decided or felt very strongly um, that I didn't want to and couldn't in my personality uh, deal with, you know, an older gentleman who's struggled with alcoholism and I'm not making any disparaging, but just struggled with something over and over and over um, and just couldn't get rid of it. And it just, it, it was about my sophomore year where I was like, I just don't know that I, I can keep encouraging the, the same whatever that struggle was and, and articulate God's word because um, I'm, I'm not the best reader uh, reading in public environments. Uh, if you ever get the chance to come hear me speak live, can't tell you where that'll be or when, but if you ever get the chance, uh, you'll probably very rarely see me actually read something. It's from my memory, and it's because I struggle with that. But I, but back to the question, I thought, well, if I struggle to, to read publicly, then maybe being a pastor is not going to... So God kind of morphed that into... And it became, if you were going to sit in front of an older gentleman who's struggled with a problem, whatever that be, could you handle that? Or could you handle sitting in front of a teenager? And it became very clear to me, I can sit in front of a young person much easier who is struggling with I'm sleeping with my boyfriend, my girlfriend. How do I get out of that? For me, just that relational, I, it just became, and I, it was just the Holy Spirit just kind of showing me that I, was, that I was going to be able to deal with that better than someone who had, as an adult, struggled with something. And, and I, again, I'm not disparaging someone that, is an adult struggling with an issue, but for me to be able to relate and impact and encourage, just even in college, it was like, it's going to be a young person. And so that's kind of how it all morphed for me. Is like, okay, you wanted to share God's word and be a pastor, but uh, I found that the relational aspect, mm-hmm. uh, so thankful uh, that God called me uh, to not have to, uh, God's word is very important, but uh, for me, I love the relational aspect of Christianity. And so, yes, speaking God's word is important, but for me to have to get up and give a uh, you know a five point sermon, just not my gig. So, <laughs> uh, so I get, so I get to encourage young people. Does that answer your question, or did I just swing and miss? No, it's, it's okay. great. Okay, if I swing and miss, we'll give it a go. <laughs> I can go again. You're good. Uh, so they've like the counseling aspect of working with teenagers was what? What drew you in? Yeah, j- just um, just trying to encourage them to be just be different, and really knowing that at 12 years old, 
um, my youth pastor. Really, it was my youth pastor making that radically of a difference, mm-hmm. um, which there, there are things that even I do in, midst, in the midst of worship, which is a recollection mm-hmm. of those uh, three facts that he shared with me all those years ago. Um, and so I think, I think to answer your question, Kip, I think that him having such a huge impact and then realizing, man, me giving a five point sermon, just, that just doesn't even sound fun. Yeah. Like praise the Lord for people that do it. And, uh, and there are people that are great at doing it and I'm thankful, but I'm also so thankful that you don't have to be a pastor in that role to make an impact in people's. You can be a dentist. You can be a physical therapist. You name it. If you want to, if you are pointing people to Jesus Christ and the cross and what his son did for us, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. That's true. You don't have to be a pastor to be a a disciple maker. Yeah, exactly. So, um, kind of going out of that, I'm wondering part of, part of that whole section of your story that stuck out in my mind was, um, people telling you that you couldn't be a a youth pastor, youth minister because of your disability. Um, and I think, I think that's silly, but I, I, I feel like times have changed a little bit. And do you, would you agree, like, if you went and tried to be a, a youth pastor now, or a student pastor now, do you think they would say the same things? I do, actually. Really? Um, I know that's shocking. Um, do I think all would? No. Right. Uh, but I think, um, and, and it may not be in the relational, I mean, in the playing sports and the, um, but in the, you can't drive a church van. Mm, Guess what? That's true. No, no matter what I do, I can't drive a church van. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not being disparaging. Um, but there are obvious uh, obstacles the, that, yes. that they are going to maybe not use as a reason, but that make it more difficult for people to get on board. Exactly. Right. Right. And um, I, I, I'm in my head, I'm trying to make sure I can glorify God in this. <laughs> but I also want to be honest. I, yeah. I ha- have had um, interviews where... You're gonna be it. Like you're, you're coming on board, and then they go to the larger body, and yeah, it yeah hasn't doesn't happen. Um, I um, and I am so thankful for their honesty. Uh, I've um, and, and I. I I do not want that to sound like a disparaging remark towards the global church because that's not at all the intent 
Uh, it's just being honest. I have had that scenario yeah. that, hey, you're it, you're it, you're it. Come on, you're, and then the larger body for, for, because there are obvious, um, I, I would do what? Oh, concerns. Sorry. Yeah, there's <laughs> obvious concerns and there's, and I'm sorry, but there, I have to do things differently than you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just, no matter what I do, there's certain things that, uh, you know, going to the grocery store and getting something off the top shelf is, I don't do it. Um, I, you know, I, there are just things and, and that's not a, that's just reality. You know, one, one thing that most people don't think about, um, I've never changed a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And I've changed lamps. Right, yeah. But if you, I've never changed an overhead light bulb. Do I know how to do it? Yes. Um, but, and could I? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, fellas, you, you probably know me well enough to know I could find some way to do it. But at my age, is it wise to? Um, so do I think? So do I think uh, that the world changed in their views of those with disabilities? Absolutely. Um, do I necessarily know that I could go out and get a youth pastor job? Not sure, um, but I am thankful, and I, I think the at least for me the area that I'm well adapted at is the relational part. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard in a interview setting, even if you have two or three interviews, it's hard to relate that you are a relational being. Yeah. And that give me a chance and I'll invest. Mm-hmm. Um, but that interview is not really about the investing process it's what can you show me and so from a relational standpoint um but that's i mean uh i'm incredibly incredibly thankful uh for my church that allows me to invest in young people because i do i recall those naysayers and so i i have not heard anyone at my church say anything um, and I am uh, incredibly thankful that the uh, staff at our church um, and I, I have jokingly said if they want me out of the uh, out of the church all they got to do is tell me I can't be in the youth department <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll go use my talents elsewhere but Hopefully that won't come to that, but uh, I don't expect it will. But yeah, I think that's really encouraging for a lot of people, not just people with disabilities. Because I know I mean, I'm interning with um, our youth ministry at North Udwal right now, and and something Adam, our youth pastor up there, says all the time is um, the small group leaders are the youth pastors up mm-hmm. there. And he just kind of shows up. 
Um, and it's so true because, I mean, the, the people who are leading small groups are the people who are building community with the students. They're the ones who are on the ground doing the day-to-day life with the students. They know what's going on with each individual person in their group. So I just think it's a huge encouragement to anybody out there who can't necessarily do what, what they think or feel God's calling them to, that they can be in small groups mm. and do the same stuff even without a title. I'm not sure I am. Hey, Siri. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Siri. No, uh, go away, Siri. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, that was awesome. Um, but yes, I, I would truly agree with you in, in that, you know, like I said earlier, I've never gotten paid to do youth ministry, but I've been doing it since I stepped out of college. And the, it truly, fellas, it, it blows me away that, you know, I still can somehow go into a room with 12 and 13-year-olds and, you know, that's not my small group, but you've, you've seen me in public settings. I can be in a public setting with any age and I can start going gabbing with some 12-year-old about whatever this Nintendo gizmo is. And yes, it's a Nintendo gizmo that I learned about last week. Um, but that was a conversation with a like 14 year, 12, 14 year old. Uh, and my small group is yeah. seniors. Yep. And it still just blows me away that I can somehow roll into a room and be like, all right. And they aren't just like, who's the old man? Now, they may be thinking that, because I think that often. Uh, but it blows me away to even, truthfully, to even see the spectrum of being able to sit here with you guys and then think about the other young people that I've dealt with and think, I'm still doing it. Yep. And how that, how that works is not really for me to determine, but it's God doing things through me and so as long as I'm able let's keep doing uh, so and I would encourage you um, you may say you may be listening and saying well that's just not my thing well even if you're affecting one that one's usually important mm-hmm. um, my, my former youth pastor um, was just one, but it but it radically changed um, why I considered um, that I'm doing youth ministry and why I consider that I have kids and I've never been married, never done anything unfaithful. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that's just a testament to the one is your youth pastor invested in you being just the one but seeing how many you have invested in and impacted because of that, because he wasn't afraid to say David is just one. Mm. I mean, we're just one, but, but Christ comes after us with everything he has. Right. And so what a beautiful picture of living out what Christ calls us to do. Yeah. That guy's like the real deal. Like that was one of the coolest stories I've heard of a youth pastor. just totally dedicated. Yeah. That was legit. And, yeah. And we still... Uh, we still talk. Yeah. 
Um, and I even shared with him recently uh, in the midst of life processes um, that, that I wanted to make my heavenly father proud, wanted to make my earthly father proud, but I wanted to keep his legacy going. Uh, and fellas, I think about my legacy often. Uh, we are not going to be on this earth forever. Whether it's the rapture, whatever happens, uh, you know, who knows? Somehow we are not going to be here. And what's my legacy? Um, and fellas, I think about that more than you would know. Uh, and I, I just smile and think third grade level and I still got hmm. I got people calling me saying hey can you give me some advice on this or or that I can roll into a room whether it be North Udawah and not know a soul except for staff and start talking to young people or mm-hmm. you know that just blows my mind um, that that that's what legacy, but that all goes back to my youth pastor that one night seeing, because he didn't know until way on in that conversation that that was the night. That wasn't, I'm going home to think about it. That was, we're done. I'm, I'm out. Um, and to think, and now that I think about, you know, I think about those people that I consider my kids and think about zero of those were when I was 12 years old. Right. And what that would have, how that would have changed my life, hopefully having me in their life, they can say, that dude was positive in my life. Um, and so I, I just think about that often about um, is, man, I got a legacy. I got to keep trucking, even in, even in the midst of grief. Like, how do I teach young people? How do I teach adults? How do I show adults? Hey, you can be in a wheelchair. You can be grieving. But God is still faithful. God is still who he said he was. Um, That's just what I want to do. Do I do it perfectly? Not a chance. Um, You know, in in my younger years, my poor top of my car um, got to know that that I didn't do it perfectly. Um, you know, garbage cans figured out that I didn't do it perfectly. Uh, I thought my, my answer was my right hand. Um, even put it through a door. Uh, in my younger years. <laughs> um, but so, um, I, I'm just blown away with the fact that God still used me. And until the day 
he does call me home because he's had what I would consider a couple chances to say the story's over. But until he does, I hope I'm still uh, investing in people and and encouraging people that, hey, let's let's walk one step closer to the cross. Yes, we want to get to the cross, but even if we make it one step closer, I want to be right there. Because I think a lot of people think about the, they think being a Christian is this huge thing, and they don't take it one step at a time. Um, it's just one, one step at a time. If you struggle with depression, did did you have one hour? Did you have one twenty minute period of time where you weren't struggling with it? That's a great start. Um, did you? Did you have one day where you didn't have a drink? You know, that's a great start. And then you can build from that. Um, so I, I just want to, in my life truly, uh, and here's what I also learned. Uh, Spring Nugget, you're welcome. Uh, is it um, living the Christian life is living out life. It's it's important to know Bible knowledge. Absolutely. 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 But figuring out how to live out that Bible is what people are longing to see. That's what they want to see. Because that's where it's hard. Not too long ago, I think it was this last summer, you got to go to the DR, right? It's a couple of summers ago, but actually I've been twice. That's right. And you've been to Honduras how many times? I have not made it to Honduras. That's the goal. Ecuador. Ecuador. That's where it was. I knew you you knew I went somewhere. I've been to Ecuador once uh, and then uh, the DR twice and got a couple couple places I'd like to... See if the Lord will open the doors of opportunity. Uh, but we got to get some time off from work. And Andy's also got to uh, confirm that uh, that's where I need to go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, I want to go on a missions trip when I know it's where God wants me and not just I want to go because it's a cool, a cool thing, thing to do. Yep. Uh, um. I do, I remember hearing a cool story about how you got to use your wheelchair, wheelchair as a platform to some other uh, disabled people that I think were in the DR. It might have been yeah. Ecuador. Yes. Could you tell us about that? You, you are correct. It was in uh, the DR. Um, it was actually my first trip to the DR. Um, just as a frame of reference, I went to Ecuador and then I went to the DR, and then I went back to the DR. So that's kind of the timeline right. for you. Um, but this this one particular trip to the DR, um, it was quite an interesting story. I could probably do a whole other podcast <laughs> on just that, but we'll save that. But um, but I was able to go, and there was some thought even by me of what does this look like? Uh, 
because as you all know, we had our one of our missionaries uh, that was over there. So we as a church beforehand had some idea of what it was going to look like. And even the missionary was going, huh, not <laughs> sure what this is going to look like. And, um, but let's, let's do it. And uh, so when, um, when I went, um, the first day, the church that we went to, uh, they actually had a conference that was put on by um, another ministry that deals specifically with the, those with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ended up going, being able to go to that for one day, uh, which was kind of interesting yeah. uh, just to be able to... But then uh, the more, which I think is more of what you're referring to, but to just give you a brevity of what God did on that trip. Uh, in that culture, um, I believe it's safe to say if you had a disability, it's more you stay in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm incorrect on that, I apologize. But that's my understanding is in that culture, you just you just stay in the house. And so um, to have me rolling down the street uh, in that culture was quite the just quite amazing for me, for uh, my, my team called me the rock star because if we stopped somewhere, it was just like, uh, I just was swarmed, uh, which thankfully, um, they, they were able to help me with one of my, uh, struggles is I get a little overwhelmed when it's a crowd of people. So they were able to, um, but I came around the corner, um, or excuse me, uh, we got a phone call. Uh, this this afternoon that we were there, uh, I had been taken back to the truck uh, because my van, my excuse, ah, I'll have to do some editing here, um, <laughs> but my wheelchair was getting beat up, um, just getting just demolished. And so they took me back to the truck and said, you just, we were giving out food. And they said, your wheelchair's just getting beat up in your physical body. If my wheelchair is getting beat up, then yeah. that means it's affecting you're, you're me. Taking, yeah, you're taking yeah. a beating. Yeah, I'm taking a beating. And so so we get this phone call saying, please come over here. And so um, the missionary takes off. And those roads were interesting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, and so we get to this lady's house. And I come around the corner, and there's a lady sitting there in a wheelchair. And to see her face, we don't know, but we can surmise from her face, I may have been the first handicapped person that she had ever seen besides herself. Um, And to see her face just, oh, 
light up uh-huh. was just crazy. Um, and the mother, grandmother, father, grandfather, I don't recall the family member, but he was standing uh, a ways away watching this interaction. And he accepted Christ during my interaction with this young lady. Uh, she has since and shortly thereafter passed. Uh, and so uh, even to be able to talk to the family and encourage uh, the family, uh, I still have the video on my phone of, of that interaction. And it was, so it was really neat to see even in that culture, God going, hey, I, I made you exactly the way that I wanted you. And no, no one except you could make that connection with that young lady who six, six months later, um, is no longer with us. So, uh, so it was, just, it was, and that's a pretty obvious story, but it's really kind of neat to see sometimes those moments when, uh, for me, when it's, hey, you would have never made that, that connection with that person if they didn't think you were already vulnerable because of your life. Psalms 30, uh, verse 5, and it says, For his anger is but a moment, his favor is a lifetime. Weeping may last a night, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you for listening to the Mountain and Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on social media, just search underscore MV podcast on any platform. Again, that's underscore M as in mountain, V as in valley podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Micah Horvath and Kip Wilkinson. All of our original music has been produced by Robert Luther. Thank you so much for listening. Now go tell your story.